the Damaged Goods Podcast. So I live on Lake Street, right in that area, and it was a lot of the uprising got tore up the whole city. The gas stations all got burnt down, the police stations, the banks all got burnt down and shit. So we're like, do we we want to stay and be a part of the rebuilding of the community? But in this moment, right now, in this next year. There's nothing, to, I, if I live in the suburbs, I'm fine with that because the shit is not right. Like, you know, I remember when that shit happened and I, I sent you a text and I, I, I imagine yep. you probably got a million motherfuckers hitting you. No, I remember, I remember, bro, I remember. And I was like, man, and now you, you know, you're a dude with a wife or a girl and, and a kid, baby. Uh, it's probably a whole different level of awareness and feelings that you have when something's going on like that rather than just being similar to Peter Parker or something, you know? No, no, no. Here, here's what, the, 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 when it was getting big, right? Like we knew it was like, it was, they were burning down the police station and stuff. And there was, we knew we could see on the news what was happening. And it was a Saturday night where we're like, all right, let's get Viv and take her to my uh, mother-in-law's house. So she could be out of the city just for the night. Cause we didn't know what was going to happen. And the next morning we went to go get her and we left and the gas station like 50 yards from my house was completely burnt to the ground. And we slept in the house with the gas station burning across the street. We did not know because we're on the backside of the apartment complex. Just driving by that gas station, going to get my daughter was an experience of like, yo, it, it was surreal because you're like, what if those fucking tanks had blown up and blown our apartment building up last night? Yeah. Dude. And there's and, and, and there's and, and, and there's cardboard, there's big wooden boards nailed to my building that says, please don't burn, people live here. Yeah. And you're like, this is a this is like a, a, a something that I don't think uh I'd ever, you know, I didn't plan on experiencing, you know what I mean? Dude. Uh, and I'm a I'm a tough guy. I seen some shit, Jake. We we came up from the beam, man. We seen yeah. some shit. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy when you you've seen so much shit. And you, you know, I always kind of leave myself feeling more prepared. And then some shit you still haven't experienced is unprecedented. Like, oh, fuck, man! I'm, yeah. I'm gonna get surprised yeah. tomorrow, yeah. man. Um, it, that, it, will, it will. You will. You will. You will, bro. You will. That's why I'm like just trying to be like, I, right, you know, uh, not to be corny and quote some Bruce Lee shit or whatever. But yeah, I'm just trying to be fluid and just move with it. You that, know? that it was crazy that the thirty for. 30 came out right around the same time because it was very therapeutic and I knew of the be like water ideology, you know, but to, yeah, it was, I, I needed to see that when it came out. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. That, uh, that father of the year voice is my guest on Dame's Goods this week. Um, this man is, is a, is a host of extraordinary levels. He's, he's a radio personality, the DJ, Mr. Peter Parker, heavy hitter DJs. Also, I have applause in the studio. A guy, I go, we go, I've known each other, I'd say almost like fucking 18 years or something like that. Too. Yeah, pretty much. I remember Leeds met you at Northeastern and I was working at Hot 97.7 and Leeds had moved to Boston to kind of like get it popping in the music business and stuff. And, and he had met you and you, you were one of his first friends. And that's my, like, look, I got the Leeds joint yeah, on right okay. now. Like, nice. like, like, I had to, bro, for the God. He, what up, he's Leeds? like my childhood best friend. He's like my brother, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's cool, man. Like seeing people, uh, like I know that you two are like so close and watching both of you, like, you know, personal and professional lives grow. And like, it's just cool to see people like still be down that were down. Right. You guys are friends when you were like 10 or some shit like that. That's pretty cool to me. Like 11 or 12. Yeah. We, we met, we met in, in junior high school and, um, 
Yo, and I joke sometimes. Me and Leeds are not always friends. Oh yeah. But we're all we're always gonna be brothers. You know what I mean? We're all we're not always on the same page, but it's like a like it's like a family member. You know, it's my man. I think there's something to be said for having friends like that. So you're not living in like an echo chamber all the time. Like, you know, you get a little challenge, you grow a little bit more that way with people. Definitely, man. And it, yeah, he's quick to check me when I get out of control too. That's good, man. That's good. I don't need those friends. Man. I, my girl constantly checking me. <laughs> so you know, it's good. The my girl too. Shout out to Emily, man. Yeah, no, she keeps. She knows how to corral corral this beast. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's there's something to be said for a woman that can be with a dude like you and I are very different, but I think we have some similarities. That sure, sure. It's personalities. Um, that's heavy to be the significant other or somebody like that. Yeah, it's not easy, man. I give my wife a lot of credit because she's been on a journey with me um, from, I met her in Minnesota, but she went to DC with me. We had a child. We went to Cleveland together with the child, newborn. Then we went back here with the newborn. So like within like uh, maybe a five or six, seven year uh, thing, we moved like seven or eight times and we were bouncing around and the hectic uh, stress kind of of being like a new guy at a radio station. Like when you show up in a market, right? Like when I came up in Boston with you, we all kind of like cut our teeth at the Middle East, we did all this stuff together. You saw me putting up posters, then you heard me on the radio. It was like a natural progression. When you move to a market and get shot out of a cannon on a radio station, no one saw the come up. So they just assume that you're just some kid that just got this gig and they don't know you. And you could tell them, you could paint the picture seven ways from Sunday, Jake. They, if they didn't see it, they and, weren't there for it. You know what I mean? And you, you know, just, you just described uh, something, you know, that, I think I don't know a lot of people know about people that work in radio, specifically like FM radio, which you do. It's not uncommon for a radio personality, on-air personality, DJ to bounce around, not only from city to city, but station to station and things like that. In the same market, sometimes in DC, uh, guys, it's very incestual. They go from uh, PGC to KYS and they go back and forth. Some markets aren't like that. Um, I've been, I worked in uh, what, so Boston, Minneapolis, Cleveland, Philly, but but the DC area was Baltimore, DC, and Northern Virginia. Yeah, and that's about almost nine million people in that market. Um, I'm back here, Minneapolis, St. Paul again. I did a radio show in Philly, a midday show. I came on after Moni Love on a throwback station for like eight months. That's um, it's crazy, son. Like yo, and, and it was it was it was that part. Like I always say to other DJs, like I they should try to eliminate that because it is not really like a mentally healthy thing. It's it's very challenging to go from place to place like a prize fighter. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, dude, you know, you it's crazy. Kids growing up that bounce. Like, I moved around when I was very young. Right. I know your story. I know your story. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. So now you're an adult, and it's still tough because you you're trying to you just move to a city where you don't know nobody. You know, Bro, you, you don't know the good guys from the bad guys. That's so what you I always say. You you don't know. Yourself. Yeah, man, it's tough, man. I mean. I imagine like every time, you know, you have to, you have to get all the, the people in the city, the fans, the listeners or whatever, not like on your side per se, but you got to introduce, okay, this, this is me, this is Mr. Peter Parker, this is how I do things, this is what I bring to the table. Dude, it takes three years, three years from when you start a new job to get the market on your team. Two and a half to three years. And you you get the first year if you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Sometimes it really takes that. Yeah, it, it takes a minute. The first year they kind of they're like, who's this guy? And especially me, nine times out of ten, I was the lone white personality on black radio stations. Yeah. 
nine times out of 10. That's another variable that was just like, who is this guy, this white guy from Boston who comes in and it takes a little bit of time. But when you weather some of the initial, and look, the, the market may like you, but the industry around you, the people at the station, the other DJs, the those guys, you're competing against the other station the, and the local scene in a way, because you jumped, in their mind, you jumped ahead of them. And you took something that could have been for them or one of their yeah. friends. Yeah. And so now, now you have to win those people over as a survival to survive it. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's just like a level of initial resentment or standoffish mm -hmm. with those people that are already there. Like, who is every time from out of town? And like, is he coming for my fucking food? You know, is he coming for my? Place? Oh, and, and, and yo, a lot of times, bro, what was going on in my life? I was. I was coming in to, I was coming in to, I was coming in hot, bro. You know what I mean? The, the, the Mr. Peter Parker mantra is how hard do you hustle? You right. working dudes, I know. So if you did land in a new market, I could picture you going in there like, word, I'm about to take what's mine. I'm about to get it. Yo, but you had to be strategic, dog. You had to be like, so like, say, you know, I mix, I can DJ, yeah, right? DJ. But, but when I, right. But when I came into certain markets, I would survey the scene and say, okay, the mixers in this market, if I DJ and host i'm gonna burn the bridge with all these djs so instead of that l let me connect with them let me build them up to give myself kind of some leverage in a way instead of taking now i'm adding to the situation Smart. very machiavellian of you dude very sharp very trying sharp. it's survival survival skills man you know what I mean? but but it's all based on love of the culture uh you know pr uh, appreciative of the opportunity uh wanting to do good but just you know like you said being inserted being the new kid at school and and, and jumping up on the stage with the microphone you know what i mean like it's a lot yeah it's tough because like I just know this personally from the music industry myself, and it was one of the reasons I really didn't like it. And I know it exists in like other industries and realms, is, is this idea, this notion that we often hold is there's a limited amount of opportunity and success. So if somebody else is getting it, that means I'm losing it. And it's it really it's doggy, doggy cutthroat. And to an extent, it's true in some ways. And in some ways, we're seeing mm -hmm, one. Mm -hmm. It's not. There's more. There's less limitations now because of things. Technology, internet. 100%. You know, but, uh, gatekeepers are kind of done, you know, and, and I can tell the ones that um, think they are, are their feelings are hurt because they don't have the control like they used to have. And I would say, you know, nowadays it, you can really do whatever with the phone that you have in your pocket. You can reach more people and Instagram and Facebook and all of this stuff. But, yo, what I did was an amazing thing. And the craft of it is is really cool. People don't realize like really what goes into what we did and how we did it on a daily basis, you know, I was on the radio, we did the math, right? So if, if a talk break, right? So I get on the radio in an hour and maybe I talk five or six times in an hour, right? These little breaks yeah, yeah. that you, that you hear me do like, Hey, go 95, three, the modern hip hop channel, Mr. Peter Parker, hanging out. What's going on? How are you? Little break, right? We did the math. If it was six days a week, 15 years, five hours, four hours a show, I had done over 75,000 talk breaks in my career. And that's a marathon dog you know what i mean like that that think of that how how do you pace yourself to be on point yeah. forever you know what i mean like to always be on my mantra was an amateur does it till they get it right a professional does it till they can't get it wrong yeah yeah uh, i like that i like that man it's <laughs> crazy because like even looking at okay what you're talking about right now is speaking to your your work ethic which i know personally to be insane you've got like a nike sport track like comfy 
kind of jacket on, which is something that somebody might do, like some athletic work, yowdy shit. I'm in fucking Mexico. Yeah. I have sandals and shorts on. Uh, it's hot. And like, I'm on like a whole other wave. Like, dude, I write books now and I do it at my leisure with half a bottle in me. You, you got new balances on. I haven't tied my shoes in three weeks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. <laughs> but I know you, dog. And I know you. If you were placed in, in my environment or in the environment that we came from, I know that guy as well. And, and you, you evolving as a human being and, and your character evolving is, um, it doesn't surprise me because you were always a really progressive guy in what you did. You know what I mean? Thank you, bro. I try to be, man. And, you know, it's so weird for me. I got into, like, broadcasting through, I just didn't want a podcast because I was like, you know, I want to, I'm going to write a book and I got to promote this book. And then I got, uh, I do, did a show on Dash Radio with my girl DJ Beans. I co-hosted her show. For yeah, cool, time. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird for me to come into something that, like, a dude like you has always been into. And it was fun because I know how to talk and use a microphone, but just it was in a different fast and uh right you're like right. you know get, like i was running the boards while and taking calls while i was doing the show too like i was like juggling a lot of shit it's like oh man this is what these guys do like okay and it was fun you know um uh but it, it was just cool to kind of see it and, and i really have a lot more appreciation for it than i did before you yeah know? yeah it's a craft man it really yeah. is it's, it's, it's something that you know if you, you bring someone in the studio with you my, i'm in my buddy david's studio right now dj yeah. Mel over in st paul minnesota and they, the man, bro, every afternoon at five oh, o'clock. And yeah, me and him rocked every day. And that's my brother, man. And like, yo, but at the end of the day, it was like, we found a, a really cool system to uh, being able to create uh, really special moments every day at five o'clock, no matter what was going on in our personal lives, how we set the day up, how we approached the show, how we interacted with each other. And we got to that point where we were knocking out classic classic shows like for two years straight oh, yeah. you know what i mean like really fun but it took us three years to get there you know what i mean like slow the craft and the and the and just the mind of it you know it's a slow build man and like there's some artistic things mm -hmm. that it's not such a slow burn like even if you were a, a music artist right recording artist a hip-hop mc whatever mm -hmm. you know you can start pumping mm -hmm. out shit quick and i think more now than ever kids careers can take off a lot faster than it used to be, but I, whereas still your your realm is still a slow burn. It's still because you're coming into a new, like you said, a new market, a new area. You still have to win those people over. Whereas an MC or a mm -hmm. rap group, whatever, they're just putting out music to the internet, and people all over can get it. And it's not, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's not like they still have to show and prove, but it's a different kind of show and prove. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, well, I think I think with the MC and the artist, it really becomes like like internal, like it's like, this is my art that I'm, you know, either sharing with you or, 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 and maybe it's a reflection of you in a way that could be a rapper's thing as a, as a, as an afternoon drive radio personality, you're like waving the flag for a market. You're like a spokesman for like the city. You know what I mean? And you gotta, I, you, when I moved back here, the first thing I did when I got the job, I went on eBay. I got a Kirby Puckett Twins jersey. I got a Minnesota <laughs> Twins this. I got a, I got a Kevin Garnett thing. I got, Dude, all my Cleveland stuff is in a box somewhere. I got a Johnny Manziel jersey. I got, I got all over there. My DC Washington Wizards stuff over here. But, but yo, it, it, I learned that, and, and this is how I learned it. When I first came from Boston out here the first time, I always wore the Red Sox hats. Always the fitted hat was my wave. I always had the fitted hat on, and it was always, you know, we go to Fat Tony's and all the flavors, like, you know what I mean, like, and not the Newberry Street one. I'm talking about Downtown it, it, Crossing, it, it, right? Downtown, it, it, the real one. Right, I do know it over high voltage, right? Yeah. So, 
I would come out, but because I always told people coming up in the bean, it would be like, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, as long as you keep your hat on and you rep Boston, you rep where we're from. And I felt really proud of where we were from and what we did. So once I changed over and started wearing the twins hats, I saw a shift in how people would greet me in public and how they would talk to me at nightclubs. And it, I was, it was a light bulb went off. I said, oh, they just want me to rep their shit. And it was easy when people are showing you love to like give the love back, you know? Yeah. No, I would see like, I would see some artists when they would come like on tours to perform in certain cities and they would like, some dudes would like rock a jersey or fitted of said city that they're in performing. And the crowd- That's cool too. That's really, yeah, that's really cool. And they like that a little more. The crowd just like warms up to it, you know? And I think people from Boston- Yeah. You know, with DMX wore a- yeah, yeah. Celtics jersey. Didn't yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, but I'm just gonna say it's like, you know, Boston, we, we do take a lot of pride in our shit when we go places and it can be abrasive for some people. Yeah. I, and I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, and like that's like part of the Boston thing. I think is too. It's like it's. I'm fine with that. Like, I enjoy it because I think we feel like underdogs in a way. You know, when when DMX came out his new sound set and he wore a Randy Moss jersey on stage, everybody goes crazy. It's like it's the best. You know, rep the city, man. Always wherever you're at. You know what I mean? I'm just changing. Okay, switch it up. It's not really that sunny. That's it. Best house, but. I don't, I'm wearing this around the house when I'm doing yard work and shit. It keeps the sun out of my I face. wear fisherman's as well. I have fisherman's in my house. I do. Yes, I do. Cancer is now as popular. I, do, I wear SPF 1000 all over my body. You know, I'd rather be pale. Yo, you know, son, the Polak's got to be careful, dog. I got, I got, you know, I got my feet. Yeah, Yo, got to be careful. Dude, like I do, I layer it up. People are like, why don't you get tan? It's like, because I just I put so much on. Oh, I, my, my girl thinks I smell like cologne and, and sunblock all the time. It's, it's my scent. Yo, it's not bad. You're in Mexico, bro. There could be worse things. There could be worse things. Exactly, man. You know, you were talking about earlier, um, you know, all the George Floyd shit and the shit popping off in Minneapolis. You were on the air. Yeah. Right? What, yeah, the whole time, man. Got, the whole time. What did you have to, did you have to dance a little different? Or how, how could you talk about, how Listen, could man. you not address it? How could you deal with it? Let me tell you something real. I got into an Uber time, an Uber one time in, in Minneapolis on the way home from work. And I will play a game sometime with Uber drivers like, hey, what radio station do you listen to? And what's programmed? And I like talk to them and say, see if they recognize me or whatever. So I'll get in the car, the station will be on. I'll be like, oh, here we go. So I get in one time and I'm talking to this dude and he's like, yo, you're Peter Parker? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, on the radio, you sound like a black nationalist. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm kind of, I, I, from my perspective, Jake, and you think you could overstand this, we're repping for the culture that provided us an opportunity to be here in these positions. And our friends and our family members and our people that we came up with that didn't make it to this point or maybe weren't provided with the same opportunities, these people don't know exposition from Audible mainframe. They don't know about that. They don't know about that man and what he did and who he was. They don't know DJ on and on, you know what I mean? So for me, um, when I get a chance to uh, represent culture or people, I do it, um, uh, man, I'm not ashamed. And I'm not, I, I got on the radio and said shit like, yo, it's time for white people to, to get uncomfortable and be the leaders in the change of what's happening systemically in our community. If you're not uncomfortable right now, you're probably not listening to the right words. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a good thing. I said a lot of shit, bro. I really was, I'm an advocate for the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's it. Yeah, and people and black and black people, bro. Let me say this. Let me say this. I am an advocate for African American, Latinos, minorities. Yo, I'm an advocate, B. Yeah, and when, at the station though, were you? Did you meet any pushback, pullback from the the higher ups? Like, did they say, "Hey, here's what here's what the the some of the push." 
The only pushback was, I have felt was when politically, when Trump was being, you know, the first time around and we felt like it was weird. It was like, hey, there's Republicans and there's Democrats and everybody's in the car. You gotta be a little bit generic. We can't pick sides. If you go this way, you can't go this way. And there's FCC laws that if you accept advertising from Democrats, you have to accept advertising yeah. from Republicans and you can't sense. amend any of it. I get it. Right. So I was like, all right, I get that. That was it. But when it came down to right and wrong with the radio station and the and what was happening, and I, I said things like defund the police. I was very um, a strong advocate for, you know, change in, in Minneapolis, man, and worldwide. So what is it like? I mean, dude, the last time I was there, I was with you. Uh, I mean, I went. Yep. Yep. And that was probably like a year, a little play, year and a half ago, year ago, whatever. Uh, I'm sure yep. she wildly different visually, the, just the feeling in the air, all that shit. What's it like now when you walk around? Besides bitter ass cold, nut ass cold, what's it like right now? Yo, what David said it when he went to go drop something off in my house in Uptown. He was like, yo, he's like, South Minneapolis looks like the South Bronx in the 70s. Yeah, burned. It's graffiti everywhere, burned. Um, b b wooden boards up that have been graffitied. Like the old Planned Parenthood at the end of my block is completely bombed with graffiti. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's pretty, it's it's pretty raw. Like I would say, and, and if you know the area, it's a lot of yuppies. It's a lot of gentrification. It's like a very like, um, it's like right on the, like the hood where, you know, South Minneapolis is and Uptown is like right on top of each other. And um, it's a confusing little time to be in that area. You know what I mean? People are resilient, but your shit's fucked up. Yeah, man. It's like, dude, when I was, this summer I drove out, uh, Peter Parker, I've taken four road trips in 11 months, three of which international. So I drove from LA to Boston and back. I drove down from LA to Mexico three times in 11 months. I'm a road warrior. But uh, I, was in, I was in Massachusetts for two. I love it. I love it. Do dolo too. Hat one. Well, no, my girl comes too, but I do. I'm getting jacked by cops in Mexico, seeing cars flip in front of me. Wow, shit. Vultures. I know the game. I know the game. Man. I love it. But I, I go. I go to Mass for two months, and I go back to LA. And me and my girl, we don't live in like Beverly Hills. We live closer to the water. I like the ocean, right? And it's a nice neighborhood. I remember. I remember. Smaller, but it's a nice neighborhood. It's it's not. It's it's like some families, some young professionals. And I was going for like a little over two months and I came back and there was like homeless encampments are everywhere in LA. That's just the given these days. But dude, the one right. closest to us, which is like 10 blocks away, it, it, it like triple, quadruple, gazingled in size. And I know. Fucking houses were or rent for rent for sale signs. And, and just like in a matter of two months, so much shit changed. Little break ins was happening everywhere. It was crazy. I was like, God damn. Uh, and that quick, quick. Imagine if they, imagine if they burned down the Wells Fargo. See, I know that shit was crazy though. When I saw that shit, I, that, that was my Wells Fargo. That's, I, the, the night before George Floyd got murdered, rest in peace to the guy. Before this happened, the night before he got murdered, it was Memorial Day, and I went to that ATM that got to buy to get some money to go buy weed, and I was going over there to get my little money and get it da da da, and I boom, that was my little stop, right? Because it was the drive-through ATM. Within a two days later, the gas station, the whole thing, and the ATM is gone, bro. Gas stations are dangerous. I would have figured they blow up. Don't they blow up? Dude. Bro, imagine waking up to the shit beyond the... It was the most surreal thing I'd ever seen in my life. Because you can still... See, in my mind, I can still see it. Yeah. I know... 
I know where the chips are. You know what I mean? It's like oh man, chips crazy man. Is, is we no, that's my spot. That's my spot. Legal in in Minneapolis or in uh, Minneapolis is in Minnesota. Jake the Snake. Yeah. Fun fact: terrible at geography. Absolutely. <laughs> Know where New England is, California, Texas. I didn't even know what state you were in. Self-proclaimed road warrior. Doesn't know where he is. I don't see boundaries, man. The whole world's my path. I believe it, man. I believe it. State of Minnesota. I'm right about that. You are in Minnesota, right? I and then St. Paul and Minneapolis are the twin cities. Yeah, and then both in the same state, though, right? They're like neck. They're like this. They're like this. They're right next to each other. It's both Minnesota. Yeah, it's Minnesota. Minneapolis, St. Paul is in Minnesota. Yep. Sometimes Southern Minnesota. I feel like I don't know if it's all the drugs or I'm just going crazy. But anyway, what's the no, it's the it's a lot of weed. We smoke, yeah, it's a lot of weed. What's the weed laws in, in Minnesota. Is it decriminalized? Uh I would say nah, it's like lightly decriminalized. There's some there's like you can get like the what's it called? You can get the um like the medicinal, but you can't get any leaf. Yeah, it has to be like oils. Oh, word. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty lax up until like the pandemic and stuff. We, were, we felt pretty chill about it. You know what I mean? You could smoke at some clubs and it's not stressful, you know? Oh yeah. It's, I mean, most do, most states are like going, even the fucking, some of those crazy states in the South where I used to be scared to smoke weed. They're like, right. they're going pretty right. Chill, right. You know? It's like, it's, it's DC, DC was the spot, man. DC, I thought would never legalize it. And they're, <laughs> they're illegal. Oh wow. Yeah. I guess I got my, my little cousin lives there and my girl's little sister they're both the same age they like live there too i hit him up yesterday i was like damn you guys are all good like staying in the crib and shit like because it was popping in dc yesterday so. dude dude my mother sister her my sister's three kids and her husband live five miles from the white house your mom's right in the mix oh shit my mom lives in Chevy Chase, D.C. They live in D.C. After my father passed away, oh, they Chevy all moved down. My sister got a job in D.C. Yeah, they down at D.C. No, but did you say Chevy Chase, D.C.? Okay, so Chevy Chase, there's a Maryland side and there's a D.C. side. It's Chevy Chase, Maryland, but it crosses the border. They live on the D.C. side of Chevy Chase, Maryland. Chevy Chase, like the actor, the comedian. So here's the thing, the story of Chevy Chase. He, his name is Cornelius. His name is Cornelius Chase III. His grandmother nicknamed him Chevy Chase. Ah, okay. If I'm not mistaken. After the town. You, you, had a, uh, you read some books on it. Was it Steve Martin or Chevy Chase you read some books on and were super into All of them. I read all the comedians. I mean, Tracy Morgan, everybody. I read probably almost every modern comedian's autobiography. Oh man, interesting, dude. That's interesting. Who's who? Who's the most interesting one you read about? Man, Steve Martin was unbelievable. Steve, Steve Martin. Martin, the magic of Steve Martin, is great. You love Steve. Yeah, Martin. he because it, because because if you read the book too, like it, it really, he was terrible, right? So like Steve terrible. Martin's a great story. Steve, comedian. He was, his dad was a failed actor that shamed him. It was like you're never gonna make it in the entertainment industry. You'll never make it. Don't even try. His dad was a failed actor and da 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 So Steve wanted to be a comedian. So he was in San Francisco in like the 60s or the 50s. Do you know what I mean? Doing like stand-up. He was terrible. And he would be performing like lunch shows in front of like 10 people and just bombing. And he couldn't figure it out. So one day, and this is like paraphrasing a long story, he got frustrated and he went in and he was like, yeah, you guys think I'm bad? I'm going to do it bad on purpose. Watch this, he said. And he started to do the same routine, but instead of trying to make it good, he was making it bad on purpose. They loved it. The light bulb went off, and there's modern Steve Martin as we know him. See, man, that's adaptation, man. It's like 
that's, I love when I hear that about artists, man. It's such a, that's a, you know, there's very few things that are truly new, but like that's taking an approach that nobody would. And, and it's kind of using your shit to you, knowing your strengths no. and flipping them to your advantage. I love that shit. And, and trial and error. If you're a true performer and a true artist, there is no blueprint to figuring out the magic. If you look at Tupac's career and who Tupac started as and who Tupac ended up as, there's like 40 different chapters in this guy's life. Yeah. And people love uh, ambitions of a writer, Machi Machiavelli, Tupac, the death row Tupac, everyone loves, yeah. but that's not, that's not really the real Tupac. You know what I mean? Like that's like a character that he evolved into. And I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, Pac's my favorite of all time. And, and his, life, his life is so fascinating. And I feel like people don't know the whole scope of it. You know, they, they know the headlines and shit. Yo, just FYI, dude, damage goods, heads up. My father's fucking new untrained four-month-old puppy just somehow stumbled in the guest house. So if you hear some fucking woofing and waffing, it's this okay, okay. mutt right here. Exciting. Not, okay. Not enough for me to clean up a grown man's poop and piss and puke and just pee, but I got a little puppy to deal with too, bro. She's cute as hell, so that's how she gets by. But there's some days, dude, I want to toss a fucking Troy Aikman bomb over the wall. I like Me and you are the same guy, bro. We have the same vibe over here. I'm, I like pets from a distance. I love them. Yeah, it's funny, man. It's it's cool to it's cool to catch up and talk. And you know, I remember when you know your pops. I think you were in L.A. With, it, it was not so long after your pops passed, and we hung out. We went out, had some drinks, hung out. Dude, this yeah. fucking dog is in my. Why they go over the balls first, man? She's right in the nutsack. Uh, we, we you know we went out and we were drinking, and you were you know talking to me about it, and uh, you know you when you it was interesting. Oh. Always, bro. Always, man. She smells. Smelling it. They love it, man. Thank you. But uh, you know, you, hello. You still? Okay. Yeah. Are we still here? Yeah, we here. Got you. There we go. Yeah. And the internet's unstable. But you shared some stuff about you know your father passing with me, and that was like when I listened to it back then, I, I was like, man, I feel for the dude. But until you start, like, I'm going through a situation that's gonna come to the same result. And now I kind of feel your words a lot more. I hear them a lot louder. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I would tell you that, like, me and my father had a uh, great relationship when I was a kid. And, you know, he was, uh, he was a certain type of a guy. He was a competitive guy. He was a very, um, had a big personality. He was a great athlete. He was a hustler. He was, a, 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 he was the patriarch of my whole family. He took care of everyone in my whole family on both sides, you know? <laughs> Everybody, he was like the leader, you know, just by natural ability. He was the life of the party. He was always had a little cool car. It was like, he, he was the man, a cool nickname. You know, it was like, there was great things about him, but he didn't take care of himself properly. And he was, um, at times, maybe a little bit ahead of himself uh, and just, you know, got caught up in the drinking and stuff. And it just kind of like spiraled and when it got too much, you couldn't get out of it. And uh, we fought with him for a long time. And. Uh, we lost them three years ago to it, but you know, we've had, it's been since then, you know, it's been like, Oh, it's, I'm happy that he's out of his pain. You know, he was suffering, you know, in a way, you know, and I mean, we're growing and you, you describe the guy right there that, that sounds in some ways a lot like you in a good ways. I mean, big personality, right? Cool. Got a lot of energy, cool nickname, charismatic. Uh, I mean, Sometimes it's hard when we see our reflections in, in our family members, especially our parents. And maybe even from a boy with a, his father, a man and his father is a very different dynamic than a daughter and the father. Uh, and and when you did you notice? Did you recognize that in yourself when you saw it in him when he was when you were 
to still a well you had to figure like this my dad suffered from alcoholism when i was young so my dad was sick from drinking probably beginning when i was in elementary school it started to become a problem when i associated some of the negative personality behaviors and traits and things like that and the, the dynamic between him and my mother or what was going on in tune i did not drink any alcohol growing up i did not smoke weed growing up i did not do drugs or anything so i was like straight edge in high school because of that i did not drink until i was almost 21 years old i didn't smoke weed until i was 24. so i was like i was an athlete and i was like no all my friends started smoking weed and doing drugs and drinking when we were like 14 or 15 years old because my dad was going through it. He was sober at the time, but in my mind, I, I, I associated alcohol with bad news. So yeah. I just didn't drink. It's, it's weird when, like, when, when you have a parents with addiction or substance issues, I only see it going one of two ways for the kid is either, I don't wanna be anything like that. I'm gonna run away from that and never touch it. Or, oh, it's so normal for me. Of course I'm gonna do it, you know? That, yeah, and I was the op. I was hell. I would beef with him about it, and I was. Yeah. I would like. I was. I was like, nah, this isn't right. Even at 12, 13, 14 years old, I was like, this isn't right. And then when I wanted to make the decisions to have a drink on my own, it was cool. I was with that. I wanted to do that. It wasn't peer pressure, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was like on my own decision. Yeah. Yeah, my. I'm. I was the opposite of you. Like I, I saw a lot of shit in my household that was very normalized. My father was in rehab for cocaine when I was a kid. My mother's a recovering alcoholic. So I was drinking at 12, dude, eating mushrooms, smoking dust by 13, 14, like just cause, and all the kids I knew did, it was like, this was normal. It, it wasn't unusual for me to see things laying around our house and adults doing these things in the house. So I was like, this is normal. And when I seen other kids that I, you know, their parents hung out with my parents, it felt normal. But then when you make friends with kids who have what I would realize are real normal parents, I was like, oh, this isn't what you normally do in, on a Wednesday afternoon, you know? So No, this isn't it. This isn't it. And, and I think you, as a kid, like you're right, like you're very, very perceptive. So I'm very cautious around my daughter because uh, I just know how smart she is. And if she's half as smart as I was, and she's probably double, Yeah, she's picking up on anything and everything that's going on. So we just try to keep it as basic. But now with that being said, Jake, I've had my issues when I've, drank too much or you know but, but i don't really have the gene i'm not an alcoholic i know this i don't crave alcohol i don't want it my dad had a thing you know people in our life think that they have a sip and they change oh yeah There's something with them and you see them and you're like oh this isn't good for you yeah this like is not gremlin. for you They're like a gremlin if you give them water after whatever 10 30 or midnight or whatever yeah, this man. is the guy. He just wasn't. We, we, he was allergic to it or something. It was something that wasn't right, and and it was in his family. His grandmother had suffered and died from alcoholism, so yeah. it was like it was a it was a, it was a, it was like in his family the gene, you know. Yeah, yeah. My, my mom's my mom's Irish, and her whole family has it. Uh, not whole family. That's a, but a lot of. But, but no, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's growing up in New England. A lot of people don't realize it's very commonplace that drug and alcohol abuse is 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 rampant. It's all around us violence we grew up normal but not normal yeah and it's <laughs> my father last year when he was still healthy he was kind of arguing with his girlfriend his girlfriend is she's irish cat too but she grew up in like santa rosa california right oh a little and, different yeah and so he says to her he's like well you know like maybe i don't know what they were arguing about something about a parenting and he was saying you know i did what i did but at least after work i didn't go to the pu fucking pub for three hours a day and and she's like, oh, he's like, you don't know. He goes, he yells at you. No, you don't understand. That's what everybody did back where I was from. Everybody. So the fact everybody. that I didn't do that is, is an accomplishment in itself. And he's right. That's, that's a real thing, you know? 
Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. Like my dad starting his own company uh, with his friends and, and building something and building a home and doing this and not being subjective early. He was a, he was victorious. Yeah. But, but it's a marathon, bro. It, 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 yeah. it it's a race that really you got to you got to run the whole race, dog. You can't cash out with 48, 52 years old. You know what I mean? Like sixty years old. You know, can't do that. And like you're you're running a marathon of your own right now, right? And and you know, like you're talking about, you got these ups and downs, you got these market changes, you're moving from city to yes. city. Yes. And yes. then I've seen, you know, recently, uh sadly like the station you were on is shut down. And this happens in radio. Yeah. It happens in Yes. And so now you're running this yes. marathon too. You, you I know you I don't I don't know. You want to talk about it, you don't have to, but I mean I, I feel good, bro. No, it, it was a sad thing. It was something we built from scratch. Uh, we, we launched it five years ago. Uh, we made it uh, something that was like a really a reflection of the market. So if anyone knows Minnesota hip hop and you know things like Soundset Festival and it's history, big, big in, in, in hip hop culture, yeah. uh, people have a high an affinity for it here. Like when I got here, they were still kind of break dancing in nightclubs and stuff. Like hip hop was like a thing. Yeah, we, we, hip hop was, New York was three hours from us, dog. It was right there. Yeah. This is different. And and, and so the indie culture, because of Rhyme Sayers, they had built their own thing. And it was a wonderful, it was wonderful to be able to make this station true to the market. A lot of times you hear commercial radio stations and they just sound like a plug and play. Oh, is this Detroit? Is it Cleveland? What market are we in? The same songs. No, I knew what people wanted here. So we just took out the bullshit and inserted the right songs and we hit, bro. It was awesome. And it's just a really challenging, expensive business. People don't realize FCC licensing, uh, uh, the rating system that we have, that, that the Arbitron that rates us, that we can sell to advertising agencies, costs $30,000 a month just to be rated. It's like, it's, like, it's like paying the plug, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, right, so at the end of the day, you're like, it was a beautiful thing, it was a wonderful thing, but it was a dinosaur. It was not a modern piece of technology in a very modern age, you know? Like, so it, as sad as it was, and it was very traumatic um, when it happened because I was very personally invested into every day and you can hear how I think about performing. So imagine just that personal investment every day. It was tough, but I feel really good now. I really do, you know? I mean, yeah, you, you're a dude that, I would imagine bounces back pretty well most of the time from adversity, especially like professional shit like this. Cause you've already dealt with similar situations. Bro, I am as sensitive as anybody. I am damaged from my life experiences. I'm definitely suffering from PTSD, from violence and things that I've seen in my life and stuff that I've been through. I am probably one of the more resilient people that you'll meet though. And I will say that I, you could really, I, yeah, you would, you would have to like extinguish me to, to, to end this. You know what I mean? Like that's, dude, that's, Hey, but that's a quality to be blessed with, man. That's a good thing, dude. Cause then, you know, you good. resilience, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it goes early. It goes, it goes from being, but Jake, it started at 14 when I got cut from the basketball team and all my friends were playing, and my dad played college ball, my uncle played college ball, my grandfather was a Hall of Fame high school player. I was, I was a legacy athlete, and I got cut from the bat freshman team. And I had to go back and say, okay, I have to figure this out. So I went to basketball camps, I dribbled the ball around the neighborhood, I stayed out in the driveway shooting, I went to parks, I went to the Y, and within two years, I'm six man on varsity. 
But it was like, but because I did, I, I looked at the equation in front of me and I said, okay, I could eat shit. And just be a regular Pete and go play football and do whatever, right? Because anybody can play football. You don't get cut from the football team. I could go play football, right? At this time of my life. Yeah. But I wanted to fucking play basketball. And I wasn't going to let a coach or this or anybody control the narrative. Yes. I love that, dude. I love those stories, man. You know, that shit. That's the shit that, hey. Sorry. Hey. I really. Sometimes, you know, I'm not a father, but I wonder if I would be the father that flies off the handle at the dinner table at supper and reaches across the table. Is that you? Because that's what my father was before my parents went. My mother, we sat at one table in the kitchen. It was against the wall, so only three people could sit at it. Me at one end, my father at the other, my mother in the middle to keep that from happening. And then when, you know, my that parents- That dynamic, you know? When my parents yeah. went, I went to live with my mom. It was awesome. It was like peaceful dinners. But yeah, I, I have a temper like that. I'm good with kids. I think it's just the animals, man. Uh, no, I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's the it, with, with my daughter. The only challenge I really have with my daughter is when they're little and they and you know they're smart, really smart. They say brilliant things. She can sing. She can rap. She's like unbelievable, right? Six years old, unbelievable. But when I say, "Hey, come here, dinner's ready," and she said, "Hold on a second, I'm doing something," and she's putting like a like a like a skirt on a Barbie doll, and I'm like, "No, nah, no," nah, I'm like, "I'm like, you gotta come to dinner." She's like, "No, no, I'm in, I'm in the middle of something." And I'm like, if I ask this little mother one more time, I'm going, and then it's like, get over here. Oh, shit. That's Hold on, I'm in the middle of something. She's trying to get a mini skirt on a Barbie doll. Hey, she's <laughs> focused, man. She's got a vision. She's trying to paint a picture. Focus, G. Focus, G. Focus. No. Have you ever seen the video of her performing when she came out at the Wiz Khalifa concert? Yeah, yeah that's the best, dude. That's sweet, man. Sorry. That's is sweet. She could really rap. She could freestyle. She's, no, she's looking for like a trainer, man. If you want to like, I'll put a big backpack of bricks on her, run her through the snow and teach her to rhyme. I got you, dog. I got you. No, I know. I know what greater good is all about. I understand the and aesthetic. You already know push-ups, even for the girls. <laughs> yeah, well, put two mics in your hand and you do your push-ups like that. Like this. Like. Yeah. Well, bro, when I, I used to train Krav Maga when I lived in New York City, and it was this oh. ex-Massad, Israeli ex-Massad, 10 years in, I mean, he definitely killed some Palestinians. Garen fucking Definitely, definitely. Hardwood floor gym, right? There's dudes like me, there's guys who are bouncers, there's fat girls who want to get in shape. Everybody right. knuckle push-ups. And there's like 300-pound girls sweating bullets, knuckles on hardwood floor, just doing push-ups, struggling. And I'm like, this guy is ruthless. He's about 5'8". I love it. All of us. You know, the big girls bleeding out the knuckles, oh, like, oh. fucking ruthless, man. <laughs> Yo, hey, hey, man, worth worth the price of admission, though. You know what I mean? You're getting your dollars worth. Yeah, for sure, man. Was, I was the best shape I was ever in for about two years. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm noticing. You're still the residuals, you know what I mean? Yeah, and this is me being kind of like a little lazy and drinking more than I should to cut the stress down so I don't choke my I'm father hip. and choke me. So I'm, I'm drinking I'm hip, more bro. than I should, but you know. Yeah, I'm in the same shit, man. I'm in the same shit. Yo, I, but how, I know I'm kind of like circling back, but this is something I've always wondered, and maybe I think you would be better than anybody could shed light on it. What causes like commercial radio stations to, to close down or is it that they get like yeah. consolidated? It's money, man. It's all money, man. So at the end of the day, if the station, if a company's not making the money that they want to make, they may say, well, look at that format over there. Like, say, like, hip-hop is the thing, right? So it's like traditional hip-hop is the thing. But then in the late 2000s, Rihanna and Calvin Harris and the Black Eyed Peas are making this kind of fist-pumper hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. 
right? So that's not rhythmic hip hop. That, that, that's not urban. That's more rhythmic, right? That's more pop music. So then the station will drop the hip hop moniker and say, now we're going to be like this rhythmic party station. Or a company will come in and they'll, they'll buy the frequency. The frequency could be for sale. They'll buy the frequency and say, look, we just want to plug and play our own people. You know what I mean? So it, it, there's a lot of reasons, but I would tell you that it's, it's all based on money. Either they're not making the money they want or they want to make more money. You know what I mean? It's really just, that's what it is. End of the day, uh, that station that I work for was struggling to make the money it should have made. And it wasn't really per se anybody's fault, but there was things that were done before I got there and there was decisions. So like, you gotta think, Go95.3 started in 2016, but that company had been in business since 2008 or nine. And so the decisions they made up until that point, I wasn't there for, I can't even comment on, you know what I mean? So it's like, you're kind of playing against like uh, a lot of politics and things like that. And when like, so if a station comes in and takes over, like, is it generally like a very different genre? Like, is it is the country station comes in and takes it, a talk station? My, come, my, my station was bought by a company that specifically does nonprofit Christian broadcasting. So they they get money from churches and they buy up radio stations and they put their stuff on, but the stations are nonprofit. So they probably play Christian rock because they're cashing out over at the churches and with their donations or whatever they're doing. And then they're just using this program to put it out. But the station I was on was only 900 watts. So I think Jamma 94.5 in Boston is 100,000 watts. It goes an hour in every direction. I was on a small station on a high tower that covered the market. Good watch station. I see. Interesting, man. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of little things that go into it, man. You know, Christian rock, Christian. You know what's funny, man? With like religious music, right? Christian rap, Christian rock, whatever. We fucking not we, but a lot of people don't want anything to do with it. They're like, I'm not going to listen to any like Christian rock or rap. That sounds weird. Right. Put one religious music, no one has a problem with it. It's like old rootsy reggae. It's all about rock right. artists, which right. is about God, and everyone loves it. If you're smoking weed, right. music's fine. Right, right. right. But, or you could go back and listen to Chance the Rapper. Now, per se, that's not like Christian rap, but the ideologies, it's very heavy. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, it, it, of, yeah. Yeah, a lot of 90s, a lot of 5% of ideology and most of the fucking shit we grew up with. 100%, all the shit we listen to. Oh, come on, man. And, and like, I'd speak to those guys, and I, and I have a lot of friends that are 5 percenters, and I like to talk to them and share information and just kind of, like, deal with them because I believe how empowering that is to them, just yeah. like something else could be empowering to someone else. But because of the hip-hop and what we and how we connect with it, that shit, I find that very empowering, you know? And I fuck with it, too, man. It's It's... It's interesting, man. But if like someone was to put on some like, what's the what's the Christian rapper that's real big? Uh, Lecrae. Oh, there's a guy named NF, and there's Lecrae. Yeah. So yeah. like, and those dudes can rap, but like whenever, but big no one really wants to listen to them too much because they don't they they they, they imagine they I, have really big niche audiences. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like 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 Lecrae and Russ have a very similar format. Yeah. Russ just kind of delivers to Russ fans. Same thing as Lecrae. They don't really play in the music business per se. They kind of just cater to their audience. Is the Russ dude a, a religious like based rapper? No, Russ is Russ is just like a backpack rapper, singer kid that just doesn't play the mainstream game. He just caters directly to Russ fans. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't even know who he was till about eight months ago, and then I'm really still yeah. bitter. I'm really bitter at a couple of my friends for showing me who he was, and. Uh, but you know, cause I don't have uh, the, the most liberating aspect of not being in the music industry in the same way I was. And now I have like, you know, 
whether it's a podcast or a book or, or, or when I'm on dash, I can talk whenever I want. Sure. I don't have to put like politics. Like I might've had to before. Like, and, uh, it's, it's, it's very liberating to be able to say, fuck that shit sucks. Or yeah. I don't can't even do it. Fuck that shit. Yeah. 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 Cause you might want to for years. Yeah. You know, you want to get on this blog, you want to do a song with this person. You gotta, you gotta keep your mouth shut and shake hands and be nice. And it was, for me, it was very conf confining. And, and I don't know, I think I am just, unfortunately way too outspoken and I was censoring myself for fucking a decade plus and uh now I don't have mm -hmm. to it's great uh at least for me but I feel yeah, the same way I, like I feel the same way yeah and uh I, I I've been I've been inhibited because you can't I couldn't say like oh I I hate McDonald's like I don't I don't eat McDonald's I think McDonald's is terrible I don't eat that shit but that was our biggest sponsor I could never have said that because or I couldn't even say fast food sucks because we are making so much money with McDonald's at the radio station. So it just inhibits how you talk about anything like freely. I couldn't swear a lot. Um, I couldn't smoke weed on Instagram or on social media. I couldn't have any weed or anything like that. So this is the first time in my career since, except for 2010, that one little moment that I haven't worked for one of these corporations. So I'm excited about representing myself almost like in like an R rated, more of like a mature, like, Fucking NC seventeen Parker coming out, dude. I like it. I like well, you know, I'm gonna tell you, our brother, our brother on and on told me in 2000, and um, DJ on and on told me. I remember I was standing in my kitchen in me and Leeds' apartment in 2004, and I was on the phone with David, and he told me. I remember loud and clear. He said, "Listen, man. He's like, they're not gonna let you be the white Dave Chappelle." And I was like, and and, and the proverbial they, you know what I mean, like they. And it resonated with me. I was like, yeah, no, they probably won't, you know? But now the way the world is, I think that analogy is like, oh, can we be, look at Michael Rappaport. Like look what Michael Rappaport, and he takes a lot of scrutiny for stuff that he says. He says the wrong thing sometimes. Yeah. Michael is aggressive, but but dog, he's not, he's, he's doing his thing. You know what I mean? Like whether we like it or not, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it, it's just a highway just to do whatever you fucking want. These phones, the shit. It's wide open. If I want to be who I want to be, I could do whatever. And you know what I found out too that like, like okay, like when I put out my, my first book, I published like last June or June, uh, January, right? I write shit in there that like some people are laughing with me, some are laughing at me. Some people are respecting the poetry and prose. Some just like the fucked up stories. Some people don't like what they read, but they still read it. Yeah. And they had enough energy to go and say they don't like it. I mean, I use I use words right. like retard and shit in there. Now, if you read the context. Right. If you, it makes sense. It's not like I'm using that word literally, but I'm not censoring myself with that. And it's like what you're talking about, whether you're an on-air personality, a, 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 a writer, whatever, people might fucking tune in even if they don't like you. you that's know? part of it. And, that's, and, and, that's part I, of it. And, and when you're a major market, radio, yeah, you're a major market radio personality, you become an idea more than you're a person. It's a thing. It's the, either the guy that's helping me, the guy that's entertaining me, the guy that's annoying me, the guy that's stopping me, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's a little, look at switch, switching flows, switching hats. I like this vibe. It was getting constrictive. I don't like constriction. I had a free, I had a free. I need flow. you to float. I you get. Be, I want you to be comfortable, Jake. Please. <laughs> I'm never comfortable, but I'm always comfortable. <laughs> Dude, my, my hair is wildly in need of a cut. My girl's a fucking stylist. Look, I told you I lined up today for you. Look at this. Bro, your shit looks sharp, bro. Your shit looks sharp. I, gotta, I went to the shop for you. I was like this earlier. I got to clean oh, up. Oh, I feel so special. I rock a permanent five o'clock shadow these days. So I always look a little rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you're looking good, bro. That's a Mexico life, dude. Yeah, yeah, something like it, dude. I got to lay off the tequila. It's I love it, man.
Yo, when, so what's up with you? Are you are, are you are, what what about let's start to change the interview around real quick yeah, now? Sure. Oh yeah, as far as far as you as far as you being an artist, right? Like, are we are we ever gonna see a return to Jay the S? I mean, dude, you know, you're not like the only person that's reached out to me. Somebody hit me up yesterday about that shit. And has prone hit you? Has prone two hit you? Where's prone at? Yeah, prone to me chill all the time. I mean, when I'm he comes to LA, I'm in Boston, we hang it's out. It's a that's guy, yeah, yeah. I talk to all. I mean, those are all my my brothers, dude. We were friends before. Special that. blend, yeah, the good. Yeah. Man lives ten minutes down the street, man. That's my dude in LA. We, I know. We're chilling all the time. Uh, a lot of people yeah. are. Hey, don't make me put you in a goddamn stew later for supper. Be nice. Um, oh, that puppy. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm tempted. I can still rap, dude. This dog really wants dinner time. Um, I said to you, I said, I know the Boston fitteds are probably in the closet somewhere. You oh, dude, out. I still got them. I mean, you know, I'm finding so much fun expressing myself in these other ways. Not like I don't like music yeah. anymore. I, and I, I was still playing guitar, and writing songs with people, but writing books and and, and broadcasting, and uh, maybe I got some. Man, other you're one of my books. favorite Boston rappers of all time. No. You're my top in my top ten. Oh, that's very at sweet. least you have to be in my top ten. You have to be. You have to be in my top very ten. Very kind of you, man. I appreciate. It. I mean, I miss. I miss making music. I don't miss the industry aspect of it. That's what pushed me. Of course. So it, of course. it's fun to be able to just make stuff. It's just like um, it's weird, man. I I used to think I was like a musician and shit, but I realized I look back at my life. I was always an artist. I used to paint and draw. My Irish grandparents were painters. Yeah. I, I'd skateboarded for ten years. That was like art music writing now, mm -hmm. broadcasting, like, I'm just looking for ways to mm -hmm. express myself. Um, Self-expression, yeah, big time, right, more too. Than an MC or a writer, like a music writer, I, I, I just need, I always need something to express myself with. And I, 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 mm -hmm. you do, you had a very tempting uh, conversation with me about returning to some music, and I'm not ruled it out. I think it would be fun, because maybe I wouldn't care so much. It would just be like. You, but that's what I'm saying. There is, to me, and this is bold. I feel like the music industry is dead, right? I don't feel like the traditional music industry is really thriving. There's yeah. a new industry. There's a new thing. There's a streaming game. There's a YouTube, Instagram thing happening. There's a Twitch happening, right? It's changing and evolving very fast. I feel like a guy like you could do whatever you want to do. You could put on that tan hat with the open, with your chest hair flying out and come do the podcast, right? Or, or you could throw on the bean fitted and a champ hoodie and you could go it. bar for bar with, you could go bar for bar with anybody on the planet. So yeah. it's like, you know, when Doom passed away, I've been listening to nothing but MF Doom, and I was a fan before, but now to hear his story and how he reinvented himself because he hated the industry, he hated the fame. Yeah, I love, I love reinvention stories. Anybody who does that, I just find it so fascinating. Uh, yeah. And, and it takes a lot, and like Doom is the, one of the best examples of that ever. And you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you see art, a lot of artists, not a lot, you see artists do it and it's, I feel like I should get rewarded more because it's it's genius when people do that shit, man, I think. it's, it's No, it shows the true talent of the artist is that they weren't just that thing, that they could be something else if they choose to be, if they change their energy. I worked with a girl in DC, excuse me, in Cleveland, named Paige Young. She worked for 106 and Park. She was like a host on 106 and Park and she was an actress. And she was a radio personality. And she came on after me in, in Cleveland. And we became really close friends. She's super talented, really, really nice person. And we, we came in on Halloween. And she decided to dress up on Halloween. And she was a character from Martin. And she wore this tan suit with like sideburns and a wig. And she stayed in the character all day. And I remember this beautiful woman that usually comes in like smelling like perfume with makeup and her hair done, comes in in a leisure suit with leather shoes, 
walking like a doing an impersonation of a Martin character, and I was like, this person is so talented. Yo, I love because that. I don't even know if I'd have the balls to do this. Yeah. But yeah, stay in the character all day. Method acting. Nah, bro. Yo, it was unbelievable. And, I, and, and everybody kind of thought it was cute. But I was like, oh, no, she's the fucking deal. That's like the, like the movie The Prestige. Or, or, or like, it's like method acting. It's like what Sasha Baron Cohen was doing Borat shit the first go round. I know? believe it. I believe it. I, and, 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 part, and part of what I think any great performer, you build a character, whether it's Mr. Peter Parker, because that's Mr. Peter Parker and, and Peter Mazalewski. They they mirror each other, but Pete's Pete's different than Mr. Peter Parker as I presented it, you know, in some ways. You know, I, there's more depth, I, I guess. You know, so are, when you when you are at home with your girl, your wife, and, and, and maybe her family or your like friends, are you? Mm -hmm. I know you as I know you. But are you a little different? There's a different side of that people that have been over my house see um, that that there's a silliness that I, I'm kind of silly with them. I think this something that this is, I never said this before in public. I mean, it's something my mother did. And I don't really want to get too deep into it because it's really silly. But um, I think I'm so focused on saying the right words in public yeah. every time. When I'm on the radio, I'm calculated, rapid calculation of the words. So when I'm with my daughter and my wife, specifically with my daughter, I like make up words and say funny little rhyming things and little funny, cute little words that yeah. like, and I call her weird little names and shit. And like, I just, yo, like the cat's got 15 nicknames. Yeah. It's like, we just, we're just goofy, right? And like, that would probably be what you would see is the goofy silliness inside my house uh, that we do. And that my friends have seen with my family, you know? Dude, unfortunately for my girl or most people are like, uh, I'm always like this. <laughs> and like, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> it could be all very overwhelming. That's why like, I give credit to people who hang with me. That's why like, I don't hang out with a lot of my friends too, too often, I, you know, because I, I could be a lot to deal with more so now, brother, you know, but bro, we have dark sides, man. And I will tell you, I'm with David, my friend, I'm looking at my David right over the phone right now. My David, his email is one of my best friends and he helps me with stuff in, in, as a friend, because there's a side of my personality that I don't want to show anyone. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I don't want to show anybody, bro. I don't want to show a fucking soul, but I do have to share it with people. I do have to connect with people sometimes when I'm like that, I get frustrated. I've made huge sacrifices in my personal life to um, do this career. Yeah. And I've uh, huge personal sacrifices. And so it, it wears on me. And there's a side of my personality I don't like to show that my close friends will tell you it's not cute. You know, yeah, I mean, David is smiling. David is smiling. I mean, it's have, not healthy. I mean, dude, I have a fucking temper, bro. My temper is rough. So people close to me get to see that. Um, and I think when I was doing music more, I was more conscious of, of, of keeping things separate because like, you know, I, I'm, this is business. People, I want to make sure they just get the Jake, Jake the Snake, the J the S, and they don't have to get the other mm -hmm. shit. Now it actually works in my favor for what I'm doing to just be me all 100% me all the time. Yeah, well, but but you're right, but what we were doing then, that's yeah. what you had to do. That's yeah, what you had to do. Very much so, uh, which was frustrating so often, you know, um, but it was absolutely what had to be done. There was nobody else not doing that, or rarely, and if you were, you weren't no. chastised for it. It was. And, and for a lot of things, but people don't realize, when you look at the little rap scene now, it's very, very culturally diverse, right? There's all types of white boys on stage and all this stuff. When me and Jake were doing this, you really had to be accepted by the scene. You could not be an outsider, an outlier. You had to be 
in with these guys or you were going to get dissed, man. Yeah, yeah. Paying dues had a very different connotation back then. It really held a lot mm -hmm. of weight. And, you had, and you, had to, you had to go through a lot of steps. There was no shortcuts that they might exist now. And I, I don't like to be that bitter dude, like, these kids don't have to do what I did. I, you know, I don't want to give them my They didn't, though. They didn't. They didn't. They, it's fair okay. to say. Yeah, and that's yeah. why your grandfather was saying, I walked uphill both ways in the snow, no shoes, the school shit. And I get it. You know, like, dude, my grandfather, yeah, it's, it's a different generation. They went through shit that we, we're pussies compared to them. Like, I'm a pussy to my father and my grandfather, you know? And uh, maybe that's, you know, kind of a similar situation. Same thing with my dad. That was the disconnect. My dad was like a construction worker in the summer when he went to college. I was a DJ. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was making more money, though. I was doing good. Like, I was hustling. Dude, I was making $600 to do a, a eighth grade graduation when I was like, 16 years old you know what i mean like yeah, that's the shit and then that's why i try not to get mad when i see like younger um music artists like kind of sidestepping the shit that you or i had to go through and they're finding their their success and their comfortability a little quicker maybe a little easier it's like i i, I good for you i guess you, you know because i can't we, I, my time machine right now is in the shop it's been in the shop for a while i can't make these motherfuckers go back and see what it was like so i guess i got to accept it right and, and just say, hey, all right, that's what it is. Yeah. You know? I mean, it made you and I, and but I yeah. better in some ways, though. Thorough, bro. Like, you know, I, I will tell you at the end of the day, the, the difference between a new DJ going on the internet, down, you know, buying a controller, going and buying a hard drive full of music and just uploading it is much different than carrying a crate. Driving from New Dude, driving from New Hampshire to New York City to yeah. buy turntables to go and go and drive into Roxbury to buy vinyl and get thrown out of the record store because you're a white kid. Like, yo, no, bro. It's a different. It was different. It's different. It's, different. Man. it's it's. I think it's important to share that too, so new people can appreciate what they got and people know the story. Mm -hmm. They know the history because uh, history is always mm -hmm. need to be told and shared and, and it paints like when I read about musicians and artists just like when you read about comedians of uh, previous times I get so lost and beautifully lost in their stories of a time that I never got to experience and I wish I could right you know I, I it's like nostalgic it's it's an admiration I have for it a lot of reverence mm -hmm. for those time periods and the people that came through them and there'll be people younger than us that'll look back at the time periods we came up in and the success we found in these eras and they'll revel in that as well you know Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I believe it, man. Like, I, and, and what I take from it is there's parts of me that want to be like, you motherfuckers ain't doing shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, real, for real, like, for real. Like, I've yeah. seen these kids, they're not, they're not built for, for the shit like we are. They can't go and, to But at the same, dude, and I see the turnovers fast. They get discouraged, they quit. Yeah. It was like, okay. Uh, but, but I'll tell you right now, it makes me so confident that, you know, like, I, I have to take a, a second all the time and, and, and remind myself that my life experiences are very unique yeah. and they're unique to me and that I can't put them on other people and I have to just be proud of what I did and be confident that if I could do that, I really could do anything that I want to do, you know? I mean, dude, that's the kind of shit that'll, sorry, dude, I'm reaching across. Do you want me to see this? Talk? I like this style. I like your style though, bro. This is unorthodox. Uh, you know, that's the kind of shit though. That's like what you got. It's like a superpower, bro. That's the shit you take anywhere. And you're like, word, I, at least I got this superpower with me. So whatever you're going to throw at me, I'm ready to rock. I got this shit. And, and it starts, it starts with me believing in the thing. This sounds arrogant. The thing that people like about me, 
right? That I know like they like the, the fun, the jokes, the lighthearted stuff, the good, the way I can make people feel. That's the shit I believe in. I believe in that ability to make people, so that I can walk into a room, see someone and be like, I can figure out how to make them laugh mm. or whatever. Mm. And I believe in that. I believe in that. So like, I'll go anywhere because that to me is what I do best and I have to live my truth. So I'll go where I can personally never let people, places or things stop you from yeah. your fucking truth, G, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh man. So what's Mr. Peter Parker's kryptonite? God damn it, you fucking mutt. My what's kryptonite? Yeah, what's, 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 man, what's... man, I'll tell you my, uh, my being away from my family and friends is hard. Um, I have a lot of great friends here and I have wonderful friends that I've made in Minnesota and other parts of the country, but my family and my original friends is, is my, is something I miss deeply. My daughter is a, my super like love. My wife, you know, is like my best friend and she has been through amazing sacrifices for me in this career. And so, you know, to know that she believes enough to make personal sacrifices for her own life because of what I do. That, yo, when you watch another person, a beautiful woman say, nah, I'm not gonna go have fun with my friends during my 20s. I'm gonna go chill in this apartment while you on the radio station. That's a down, uh, okay. my friends, that's a yeah. down bitch. Yeah, <laughs> on God, right? So, right, 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 right. Um, amazing person. So it's like, you know, I ride for them, man. Yeah, you got it. My girl's very, dude, my girl is a fucking saint because she, put up with shit when we were together before that's terrible. I mean, she's in my book. She's the only person that didn't want her name changed. And I share shit in my book that like, she's pretty strong about. And now we got back together mm -hmm. years later and I cleaned my act up. I'm not the same animal I was. Is this the woman that I met with you? No, I met you, I don't want to blow your spot up, but we remember we, we met one time and it was, a, you know, we, we met in, in a hotel, really famous hotel in LA on Hollywood Boulevard. She had like the elder, everyone's short hair. She did. She look. I mean, I think that wasn't my girl. That was a different girl. That was a girl. I was. You know, I was. I wasn't shooting. So it's all good. I'm in. I'm not. I'm not. I don't, it's okay. No, that was. Hey my, man. That hey was man. A girl I was with before me and this girl. My girl now got back together. Cool. Fiance. We got. It's a journey, was, man. It's a journey, man. Yeah, but I mean, um, when you find something like that, you know, it's like fuck. You put up with all this shit that I do. Holy fuck! I got. Bro, bro. I gotta rock with it, you. In 2010, I, I, I got an interview to go to MTV to be a personality on MTV. And I flew to New York on a Monday afternoon and I test screened with executives on a Tuesday. And they were like, oh, I remember being on like the 85th floor in a boardroom with all these people. And they were like, we like you. We think you'd be perfect for a show we have in development. It's called Guy Code. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm familiar. And and I was like, oh, word. That was with Charlemagne, yeah, Andrew Schultz, Lil so Duvall. It's like hot takes on so on topics, right? Con like jokes. Yeah. And they, they said, oh, you, got, you, know, you just got to follow through with it. But I looked at the situation and I was like, it's, it's not a job. It's an opportunity. I would have to move to New York and sleep on couches. My girl was not going to come with me. And at the time, I like was like, and I was like, I'm not going to go and throw away this relationship and this connection I have with this person for ego or from some sort of resume builder. Yeah. I said to them, I, let me let me reconnect with you when I get back on the East Coast. Man, that's big. And it never really transpired. But that's never really transpired after that, you know? Joe, man, that's a big, that's a hard decision to make, man. Most people, 
most people I think are, we're so trained to just chase our dreams, chase our success I, yeah. so much that everything goes second, even the people you care about. And it takes a real wise right. man and a real analytical eye to look at the situation and be like, wait, what am I sacrificing here? How hard is right. it to find again? Because you still have a career, you still have success, you still got right. what you wanted, maybe not the same form, but you- No, I did, I'm good, I'm good, you, I'm good, you got I got it. Too. You won, you got both really. So and there was moments, of the, there was moments, Jake, when we were like this, we were like this, and I was gonna be like, eh, maybe it wasn't gonna work out, and I took a step backwards and fixed it. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I'm not going to throw it away for some fucking rap music, man. Bro, dog, that's yeah, that's listen, man. This has been a beautiful conversation. That's the fucking highlight for me right there. That's what I'm gonna like take away from this because. I look at this woman every day and I'm like, this chick puts up with so much shit. And I was a rampant, cheating, gallivanting, cavalier, Ooh. running around town. having. I was having affairs, not even cheating. I was having affairs. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. and, then we break up, and then I'm fucking slipping into all kinds of realms of shit. And, and then mm -hmm. I get back and I work at it for years and you forgive me. and We, we make peace and we doing well. God damn. Like she really love, love you. It. She yeah, really love you. I recognize it. And, and like, dude, you recognize it right there. Cause that's a tempting job, man. You got MTV saying, bro, this show, these guys, come on. This on. is 2010. This is when it was still the shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? MTV, it was MTV too. I don't even know. Is it, I don't, I don't watch cable. I don't, haven't had cable in like 12 years. Is MTV still a thing? That sounds. Yeah. It, it, it's changed massively. And you know, a guy code ended up morphing into girl code. The girl code became more popular, but Andrew Schultz, Andrew Schultz, Lil Duvall. He's huge now. Char Charlemagne, they all started over there. But I just looked at it like at the end of the day, I had a lot of um, confidence in myself and my career. And then within six months, I got a job in DC on the radio and I was out there doing going crazy. So it was like, can't stop the, the, the man slinging webs and scaling walls, bro. Can't no, stop no, 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 you can't. Yo, here's, I'm gonna leave you with this, right? I remember Maddie Trump or Maddie, oh no, G squared was in the stu Matt, excuse me, Maddie Harris, excuse me, we're gonna replace it, Matt I see, Harris. I see Maddie Trump all the time, and if you, I'm so trained like you, he's like, Snake, bro, you gotta stop doing that, because people are in public, he doesn't like it. He's like, please, it's Harris, please. <laughs> you know, with the hair, his hair is immaculate. He looks like a villain. I'm like, how? Bro. <laughs> he is, he is. He, he got the best hair I've ever seen in my life. Shout out to Matt Harris. So it was either Matt or it was G Squared that said this to Slane. This is a story that I heard. Slane was in the studio and he was doing his old, like, you know, coming up. If I don't make it by 27, I'm going to go do this and that. And the engineer stopped the session and said, is this just something you're doing or is it somebody who you are? And Slane looked at him and he was like, so I am my best Slane impersonation. And he's like, then there is no timeline for you. If this is who you are, then just do this and be this. If something you're doing, yeah, do it. It doesn't work. Get out. But I don't want to work with something. I want to be with people that live this, that this is who they are as people. Fuck yeah. God damn. That's, that's, that's it. That's it. All right, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods Podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals. Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis. If you guys have heard me talk about them, you know this is my favorite CBD product out there. The only one that truly works. I swear by it. That's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado, 
Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD, so they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. they got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there, and it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws, and they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out. And now for an additional discount, use the promo code DAMAGEDGOODS. That's D-A-M-A-G-E-D-G-O-O-D-S. Damaged Goods to get an additional percentage off.